I met this guy. I was drunk. He had vampire eyes. (laughs) (laughs) He liked me a lot, so he dressed up like Marilyn Manson and misjudged everything. story from my book Rebound. Uh, This story is about this darling, darling, hot soldier that I had a brief affair with. He's one of the highlights of that time period. Oh, bless him. I hope he's out there being hot. Oh, so cute. Anyway, and then afterwards, we have the after party where I'm going to have some of my dreaded Sauvignon Blanc and get a little bit sloppy with my friend Matthew, who's going to tell us a story. Uh, Actually, he's going to tell us a few stories, but the highlight uh, is a story called Vampire Eyes. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get in there. Uh, If you like the story that I tell you today and you want to get a copy of any of my books, they are available at orianderunner.com. I will put that in the show notes so you don't have to try and guess how to spell it. And yeah, all right, let's do it. Hotel paper. I met Caleb in a downtown honky-tonk on Nashville's crowded, tourist-trappy Upper Broadway. Cover bands blare on the overdeveloped strip, and visitors from all places hillbilly swarm the streets, a flurry of thirsty, sweaty locusts. It can be scary, it can be smelly, but if you're in the right mindset, Broadway can be pretty fun. I chose to parade the streets alone that night. I was tired of bitching to my friends, and they were undoubtedly growing tired of me, too. I wanted a night off, a night to pretend that Alex had never happened. Losing myself in a sea of people fit my mood for the evening. I was also in the mood to get laid. My friends were all in committed relationships, and I couldn't have any voice of reason steering me away from my plan of action. So, I was solo, and I was fine with it. Dressed like a hoe and borderline underweight, I was feeling confident. I marched into the first crowded bar on the Strip, a trailer park-themed mess, and surveyed the room for cute guys. I downed shots of fireball, because what else do you do when the floor beneath you is literally covered in sod and someone is playing a banjo? Also, excluding the calories, fireball, fireball, can I say fireball? (laughs) Fireball was the perfect drink for me on my manhunt. Not only did it bend my perception enough to settle for someone who may have had a mullet, but it also left my breath smelling tasty. I was drunk and ready to slur sweet nothings into the ear of anyone who would have me. Thanks to Fireball, those sweet nothings would smell like toothpaste. When I saw Caleb, the sod beneath my platforms disappeared. The irritating twang of the banjo stopped. In a crowd of six well-built men, he stood out as the most handsome, his bright white smile flashing in the neon lights. Women lingered around the group, but Caleb was too busy laughing with his pals to notice. He resembled an exotic Nick Lachey, but with a distinct posture that gave off a military vibe. Thanks to the nearby Fort Campbell, military boys are a common occurrence in downtown Nashville. God bless America, I said to myself as I tossed back the last of my fireball shot and made my way toward the group. Our eyes met as I approached. A familiar feeling returned to my loins. My mind raced, and for the first time in weeks, I could feel my heartbeat. It was beating right out of my vagina. 
Caleb must have felt his heart beat in his pants, too, because as soon as he noticed me, the attention of the group shifted my way. He sauntered over, meeting me halfway, leaving his friends a few steps behind. Up close, I saw that he looked more like a young Elvis than a former member of 98 Degrees. He smelled like gum. I smelled like toothpaste. This was going down. Excuse me, ma'am, but have we met before? I keep looking over at you, and you seem very familiar-like. Caleb's approach was pretty lame, the old don't-I-know-you shtick, but the cinnamon-fresh connection between us was strong. The rest of his pickup game was perfectly southern. He had a slow, deep Louisiana drawl and told me funny stories about back home, somehow putting extra syllables into each word with his accent. He paid my bar tab, as it was the gentlemanly thing to do, and agreed to take shots of fireball instead of the Jack Daniels he preferred. In no time, Caleb was holding me close on the bar's uneven dance floor as the cover band crooned about big green tractors. We tried to dance, but mostly just made out. He tasted like gum, I tasted like gum. It was magic. Drunken, southern magic. Sadly, there was one conundrum getting in our way. The fireball, although it helped us smell great, was having adverse effects on us both. I was starting to get less horny and sadder. This always happened when I drank brown liquor. I wasn't sure if I was going to cry or have an orgasm that night. Maybe, just maybe, I could get away with both. Caleb, on the other hand, was drinking enough to render his dick completely useless. He knew he was out of the game and made excuses to avoid taking me back to his hotel room. It's not just me in the hotel room, you see. The other guys from my unit are crashing too. Caleb looked down when he spoke, kicking out imaginary dust on the barroom floor. I don't know if you want to deal with all that, he added. I was relieved in a way. While sleeping with the floozy on the sofa of your crowded room may be all right in the bro handbook, it's not exactly my favorite scenario. Besides, politely letting a girl down while you explain your limp penis in front of your military buddies? Yeah, that wasn't Caleb's cup of whiskey either. I chose to not lose hope in Caleb, and instead of viewing him as a disappointment, I would consider him a gentleman with restraint. Caleb wasn't a slut. I wasn't a slut. The only true slut in the situation was the whiskey, because she had fucked us both. And the next morning, Caleb called. Hey, Ariana, Caleb cooed. Okay, so he couldn't say my name, but who could, really? I wasn't deterred. Caleb was charming, with restraint. Besides, Caleb was hot. Caleb? My hangover was evident in my scratchy voice. This is Caleb. I'm still in town and would like to know if I can take you to lunch today. In reality, he spoke like a little boy or a nervous actor reading through the script of Deliverance, but I was still drunk. To me, Caleb sounded sweet. His southern drawl was syrupy. It was as if I could somehow hear his big brown eyes in his speech. Caleb was a darling. Absolutely, I replied without hesitation. So what if I hadn't showered or brushed my teeth or sobered up? I sprayed dry shampoo on my roots, touched up my caked but still intact eye makeup, and checked my breath. Wow, still cinnamony. Perfect, I said, smearing deodorant on under my shirt as I blew a whiskey-flavored kiss in the mirror. I decided, I decided then and there that I really liked Caleb, and I really liked Fireball, too. It was already almost 5 p.m. when Caleb and I met, so lunch turned into dinner. A sober man who hadn't been up partying all weekend would have seen that I was a mess, but Caleb, sweet, southern, still drunk Caleb, was not that man. Through Caleb's bloodshot eyes, I looked beautiful. My filthy hair looked full, not stringy. 
My lips seemed cherry red when in actuality they were chapped, burned even, from slugging shots and aggressive public kissing. My breath was still awesome. We were still drinking my new favorite booze. I tasted like I had just brushed with close-up. Halfway through dinner, we were back to making out like teenagers. Normally, I'm not big on PDA. For those of you who are unaware, PDA stands for Public Display of Affection. I capitalized these words because our display was very public. Capital affection and absolutely capital display. In very little time, our waitress at the downtown Joe's Crab Shack grew tired of our under-the-table antics. So Caleb suggested we move our makeout party somewhere more private. I acquiesced. An upscale establishment with reasonable prices, the Millennium Maxwell House Hotel had luxurious white beds and fluffy down pillows. Caleb's room was a nice one. The only problem was that there were three army guys spread out on my luxurious fluffy bed. I do apologize, but I wasn't planning on meeting a lady, Caleb smiled sheepishly. I wasn't exactly deterred, but I wasn't up for a gangbang either. Maybe we can find something else, I said, pulling Caleb by the hand. We set out into the hotel hallway in search of a dark corner where we could consummate our whiskey-fueled love. I examined our options. There were cameras in the hallways and no dark corners at all. The elevator alarm system would go off if we hit the emergency stop for sure. I noticed a large, colorful banner displayed at the end of the hallway. Nashville welcomes Shriners International at Millennium Maxwell House Hotel, it read. Below the large print, smaller script informed me that there was a conference room on the top floor of the hotel. Got it. I pulled Caleb into the elevator and hit a button. Twelve just happens to be my lucky number, I told him as I leaned in for a kiss. Dear reader, an aside, I love hotels. This comes from years of carting me and my family's shit on long cross-country, quote, road trips. What this means is that we moved around, and my mom made it seem fun by calling it a trip. Good job, mom. But remember, road trips aren't all glamour and Hilton hotel stays. Oh no. We're talking hostels, campgrounds, and super eights, people. I hated camping only as much as I hated the strange cat ladies who ran every hostel I had ever stayed in. But hotels? Even the dumpy motel version of a super eight? I loved them. As a young girl, I fell hard for the luxury of an early morning wake-up call. I reveled in the glamour of those tiny little wrapped soaps, the abundance of clean white towels, and the idea that someone else would clean up after me. If we stayed somewhere really fancy, like uh, a Holiday Inn, I would position my bathing suit at the top of my packed belongings, ready to bask in the sun like a movie star, poolside. But that's not all a hotel has to offer. If you seek it out, a hotel is chock full of all kinds of goodies. If you sneak into the hallway while the maids are cleaning, say hello to as many free packets of coffee as your little fist can grab. Ever crashed a hotel conference shortly before the attendees arrive? Pens and pads of pristine white hotel paper are everywhere. And sure, maybe you're judging me right now, but I truly feel that something about my pillaging nature was what landed me and Caleb a romantic, camera-free space in the heart of the Millennium's largest conference room.
The room had a lovely view of the Nashville skyline, and without the harsh electric lighting turned on, we were visible only in the soft glow of distant city lights. It was the perfect, quiet space. I smiled when I noticed the neatly arranged pads of paper and Maxwell House pencils atop each table. Lovely, I cooed as I lifted several pads and placed them in my purse. Caleb pushed me against the floor-to-ceiling panel windows first, reaching under my shirt and kissing my neck. We stripped items of clothing off one another, and in what felt like a romantic slow fall, but was really a drunken crash, we dropped to the floor. We pawed at one another and almost knocked over a large FedEx-style print on display, a picture of two smiling Shriners. You know Shriners, right? The cute elderly guys with the burgundy baron hats? Yeah, those guys. We rolled around under their supervision, giggling at the absurdity and playfulness of it all. Tiny crumbs from the filthy carpet stuck into my exposed flesh, and when I flipped on top of Caleb, I earned a wicked rug burn on my right knee. What looked like a tiny piece of Dorito was crunched into the fresh wound. This won't work, I told him. We made our way over to an ominous oak conference table framed by two flags, one American, the other Cuban. I couldn't think of any association between Shriners and Cuba, but then again, I didn't major in history. This could work, I offered, pulling Caleb toward me as I opened my legs and leaned back on the table. The table proved to be as sturdy as it looked. Still, the ridges of my spine felt smushed against the wooden surface. Caleb, I don't want to be covered in bruises, I whispered romantically. Caleb sprung back from me, his eyes darting from object to object in the room. He was in some kind of horny, stealth spy mode, and I laughed. His eyes stopped on the American flag, perched to my left. He moved quickly to the flagpole and began removing the flag. I watched his biceps flex as he ran the ropes, holding the flag through his hands. He was facing away from me, exposing what can only be described as a perfect round ass. An ass like a peach, I thought to myself as I watched in awe. Look at my hot southern piece. Just beautiful. With the American flag halfway down the pole, he stopped. I watched as he raised the flag back to its original glory, pausing at its return. Was he going to salute? Was he going to salute the American flag totally naked with those biceps and that ass? I wished he would. He set across the room to obtain the Cuban flag instead. Once he had hoisted the flag from its pole and secured it as my tablecloth, he leapt back on top of me. Our lovemaking was simultaneously sensitive and rough, intense, and then playful. We were young and shockingly mature all at the same time. It was all a joke, and it was also so, so serious. Best yet, Caleb didn't care that I was pretty disgusting. Not sexually, not in a perverse way, now, but physically. I was whiskey-bent, unshowered, and pretty stinky. Caleb was undeterred. He soldiered on, and an hour or so later, we watched over the Nashville city lights below, naked and wrapped in only the flag of Cuba. What time do you have to be back to base, I asked, breaking a comfortable silence. Checkout is at noon, but we probably get on the road around 6. It was already 4.30 a.m., but I'd like to see you again, he drawled. This I was hoping for. I had met a sweet and handsome drunkard with excellent stamina and a penchant for exploring hotels. Plus, he didn't care that I stunk. Score. 
But therein lies a snag, Caleb hesitated. I go to Afghanistan real soonish. My lushy little heart dropped. Like as in two weeks soonish. His head slumped down as he spoke. We sat facing one another, naked and quiet for only a moment. I lit up a cigarette and looked away, surveying the room. My eyes drifted over a nearby smoke detector and stopped instead on the American flag. I turned to look at the Cuban flag under us, our makeshift bed. I exhaled and laughed a little, an instinctual laugh to lighten the mood. I reached for Caleb, but he recoiled. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. I leaned my head on his shoulder, but the spark between us had darkened. It's all right, you know. Caleb unwrapped himself from the Cuban flag and walked toward his boxers halfway across the room. Just sucks sometimes when the reality of it all soaks in, if you know what I mean. I knew what he meant. Hell, he had said what he meant. I had my own selfish fears in that moment. A rocket-fast romance would only leave me more heartbroken. And if Caleb was really this amazing, could we have a fling and just let go? God, would he get hurt at war? Would I ever find out? This was sure to end in ruins. Ugh, but goddamn, Caleb was cute. We'll give it a shot. I punctuated my decision by standing, letting the sweaty Cuban flag fall to the floor. I stood before him for just a moment, stark naked. I winked and pranced away in search of my scattered clothing. Tiny crumbs and chips fell from my skin. As the days progressed and Caleb's departure grew gloomily closer, we began to argue. It seemed natural to fight, knowing that the end was nigh for our baby affair. We picked at each other, nagging here and there, reaping the benefits of each argument with mind-blowing makeup sex. But the intensity of the argument steadily increased. Caleb's sweet southern drawl turned into an uneducated hiss. My high energy and strong opinions became irritating and all too northern for him. Even our rip-roaring makeup sex couldn't make up for how different we really were. And then one day, Caleb was gone. I found myself alone that morning, wrapped in the last of our tangled sheets, wondering if Caleb would be okay. I didn't request contact information, as we had agreed to just let our affair end. The arguments had become too frequent, too exhausting. Sobered by that creeping reality Caleb hated so much, we were forced to face the dreaded real-life versions of ourselves. Sadly, we were strangers at the end of it all. Despite our painful ending, I would love to send Caleb a little note, just to check in. Flawed relationship or not, I'm nothing if not patriotic. I support our troops, especially when they're super cute and amazing in bed. I can see myself writing the letter now. Dear Caleb, it would read, the Nashville lights just aren't the same without you. The letter would be romantic and friendly I would write from the heart and from the vagina. I would assure young Caleb that he would be home in one piece soon and Nashville would welcome him with open arms and open conference rooms. As I wrote, I would be hunched over my desk and smoking, enjoying a fresh brewed cup of stolen coffee, scribbling on Millennium Maxwell House hotel paper, of course. Okay, hi, Matt, thank you for coming. Welcome to the show, how are you? 
I'm doing great now that I see your face. How are you doing? I'm good. I did my hair and makeup for you. Gorgeous. Thank you for doing that. I showered today. Oh, God, we're so adult. Yeah, um, we're very sophisticated. This look is inspired by an Instagram filter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> As is mine. So uh, before we even get started, uh, well, I mean, we are started. I want to talk about the covers of the book Rebound because there are two different covers. There is the, yes, you have the original. I have the original as well. I don't actually have a copy of the original that isn't an author copy that doesn't have this not for resale on it. I sold them all. Um, the original is still available on Amazon, but it's $150. <laughs> isn't that smart? Well, if I can't make rent, I know it's how I'm going to do it. Well, that's what I thought. So the original, um, I took the picture for the original in my bathtub in April of 2013. So everything shut down in March of 2013. Duh, I totally meant 2020. And I was home, not working, and I was like, you know what? Fuck waiting for publishers and agents and all this shit. Everybody is stressed out. Like, this is a funny book. I want to connect with my friends right now, and I can't see them, so I'm just going to put it out. So, like, a couple days later, I got in the bathtub with a tripod, um, a bottle of red wine, a bottle of Fireball, and a bottle of Xanax. And I took this picture of me chugging red wine, and it looks like I, like, busted my I... teeth out with the bottle, because it looks like blood. <laughs> I have a friend who's, like, very feminist, and she's like, you can't be perpetuating violence against women. I'm like, girl, it's not that it's deep. It's violence against myself. <laughs> and that's kind of what the whole, I mean, it's called Rebound. It is a book about alcoholism, essentially, so it is violence against myself. Anyway, Amazon was not cool with this cover. They said that it promoted violence and alcoholism. Um, I agree that it does advertise a book about alcoholism. It doesn't mean that it promotes it, because I do some stupid shit in this book. I don't get the violence angle of it. I mean... Me either. But, I don't understand. Like, it's not like you're visibly bruised or anything like that. I mean, and I think the way that it's cropped, there's a wine bottle in it, so it's very clearly not blood. I think that would be an issue, if not. I agree. If I were just bleeding from the face, and also there's plenty of books with people who are bleeding from the face. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> I've sure. Read them. I would know. <laughs> well, I can think of two off the top of my head, which is like Fight Club, and then um, yep. Leslie Arfin, who is a, a journalist who worked for Vice for a long time, has an autobiography, and she's got a little girl with a bloody nose on her cover of her book. It looks like she had just gotten assaulted. So I don't, I don't buy it, Amazon. Yeah. But. I needed a new cover because I was not allowed to advertise this cover. And that's basically like when you publish, self-publish a book on Amazon, you want to be able to advertise it or you don't make any money. So I didn't know what to do. And when I was originally coming up with cover ideas, Matt, who's here with us today, uh, suggested doing like um, a wine stain look, which he created for me here. So if you order the book now, unless you want to pay 150 bucks, uh, this is the cover that you'll get. It's beautifully done. It's really nice. And it still looks bloody, which it I think I thought was like I mean, a nice homage. I would say it's more bloody. Yeah. More ambiguously bloody than the original by Amazon. It also looks classier, which I think is like kind of a nice um, surprise, like rebound by Orian And then you open it, it's like dick drip. <laughs> Micro penis. Yeah. That's so funny. Uh, did you get a chance to 
read Hotel Paper, the story that I read this week? Um, yeah, I, I had read it previously. I certainly read your book cover to cover. Thank you, honey. Uh, as you all should. Um, and question for you, because I thought of a couple, but um, I this is one of the only times, there are only like two times in my life that I've had sex in like a non- that's not even true. This is the one time in my life, this story, where I had sex in, like, a non-traditional place. Because the only other time that I've had sex anywhere, like, other than, like, a bedroom or something akin to a bedroom, like a trailer. Don't <laughs> 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 um, But, yeah, this is, like, the, one of the only, like, unconventional sex spots I've had. Do you have any stories we're gonna move on to bad date stories after this if you don't don't worry but do you have any stories of like unconventional sex or like strange places where you've hooked up with someone um off the top of my head too and one of them was awesome and one of them was terrible so i'll start with awesome i was dating this guy who was like a humongous mess like very attractive but like had i found out after we dated had attempted suicide about two weeks before we met so like not in a great place, not in a great place mentally. He was very <laughs> no. attractive. So. Um, Hot but sad. Was, <laughs> um, I was hanging out with him and his straight couple friends that were dating, and all four of us broke into, or not broke into, we hopped the fence into a public swimming pool and then, like, paired off and on opposite ends of the public swimming pool, we each had, like, each pair had sex. Okay, gotcha. Well, that was awesome. Like, I love that. That's, That's a good that, one. That's very yeah, wholesome, was, I feel. Well, it was super hot. It felt very much like something would happen in the OC. Like, I felt like I was living a certain, like, Misha Barton dream. And, I mean, he was, like, really attractive. I felt great about it. Like, it was just, it's a good college memory. On the other hand, <laughs> um... When I was living in San Francisco, I was crashing with two friends when I was between apartments for a month. And um, because I was sleeping on a blow-up mattress in their house, I'm like, I hate staying with people. I hate having people stay with me. And when I do have to stay with people, I'm pretty big on like the respect stuff. Like I would never bring somebody to like fuck them on the couch. I think that's a, a weird Obviously scene. not. Right, because I feel like that's just, like, disrespectful. Even if they would probably be cool with it, it's, no, like, it, not really the way they want to go to sleep. It is a hundred... Okay, all right, okay, but wait a minute. These are gay guys. Um, one gay guy, one straight girl. So was this the straight girl who fucked somebody or the gay guy? Was the gay guy? Oh, no, this is a story about me. Oh, you were... St <laughs> well, you're a gay guy. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... I met this guy. He was a French guy. He was real annoying. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. And, and he, we were wasted. And he really wanted to come back to our place. And I don't really, to be honest, I don't remember why I was down. Did he have I an think accent? I was just like drunk, horny, exhausted. Um, Did he have so a French accent? He did have a French accent. Okay, because I'm just imagining like, like somebody being annoying with a French accent. He was also, like, kind of short and not, like, the French archetype that you would hope that, a, like, a, a French hookup would look like. He, was just he like didn't look like me. <laughs> not at all like you. Um, no, he was just, like, kind of squatty and annoying. <laughs> and so we had a laundry room in the basement of the building 
of the people I was staying with. But it was not like, not like a mini laundromat the way some laundry rooms are. It was literally like a basement with one washer and one dryer in it, which... Like an earthen basement with like a family of rats. (laughs) Which was unpopulated at 2 a.m. And so like he asked where we could go and I said there. And so like I fucking tried to the dryer. And I was telling my friend about it the next day. She thought it was hilarious. I think she was like probably mini relieved that I didn't bring this animal into our into the house she was staying at. Also, she has this like real strong dislike of French people, which is really funny about her because she is very, very PC. Like she she doesn't appreciate racist humor of any kind, sexist humor of any kind. Like she's amazing, hilarious, smart, smartest person most people like will a, ever meet. She's amazing. But she, she like her, her Achilles heel socially, she doesn't like the French. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, as a somewhat French person, um, I was on a date one time and I was talking about getting my French citizenship and this guy just straight up asked me, he's like, are you sure you want to do that? And I was like, (laughs) this is like right when Donald Trump became president. so stigmatizing to have a French citizenship. Dude, he's like, you really want to be like 50% French and 50% American? Like you want to be a combination of the two biggest assholes in the world? And I was like, except that's what I am. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, if the shoe fits. Yeah. Um, So I was telling her about this and like, from my perspective, this was like kind of a a past experience. Like it was was like not super memorable. He wasn't super good. It wasn't super hot. It was just, I was very drunk. I was pretty uncomfortable. So I was telling my friend Steph about it the next day and she was like, well, where did you bring him? And I said, Oh, I brought him to that, that little laundry room downstairs. And she was like, you mean that that place covered in rat shit? And I was like, rat shit, what are you talking about? She's like, do you not really look around when you're doing your laundry? And I was like, no, not especially. Like, I always have my headphones on. And so I went down there later, and yeah, there's like piles of rat shit everywhere. Oh, and like, no. And like dust bunnies of all of the, the dryer sheets and stuff like that. Like, upon further inspection, it was a disgusting room that like I sort of felt bad that I hadn't been wearing like an inhaler walking in and out of there much less like fucking a French stranger yeah on top of the equipment in there if that would have been your go-to hookup spot for like any longer than one or two nights I'm sure you would have asbestos poisoning at this point and have deserved it for sure I mean if that's where you go to get laid <laughs> you're gross you yeah. <laughs> you're gross yeah that, that was like my my evening spent as a French trash person I don't, I wish that I had been more, I wish that I were more adventurous, but I'm actually really not. You know, I have this book full of stories where I'll like, I'm willing to talk about having sex with like ne'er-do-wells, but I think that my adventurous side is more just like picking inappropriate partners, but I, I'm like, I'm going for like the clean bed with the clean sheets, like the nice apartment, like the, it's just. Well, you, and I, you and I have talked about this, that like, despite outward appearances, we're both very vanilla sexually. Like we don't like anything painful, stinky. <laughs> <laughs> stinky. No, don't, don't like, don't come stinking. I can't, I can't. I'm like, while I find all of it interesting, I don't want to experience it firsthand for the most part, unless it's like, 
with Tony Danza. Like, which is like the exception for everything because I've been joking about sleeping with Tony Danza for so long that if Tony Danza wanted to do something weird, I'd be like, I have to. But it's already weird enough to want to bone Tony Danza. Tony Danza, if you're yeah. listening, this is not a joke. <laughs> this is not a joke. Like, I will do you. I totally agree. I remember when, like, Fifty Shades of Grey came out and everybody was, like, slightly into BDSM and I was just like, First you do of all, you, but I'm just like, I could not be more unappealed by the idea of somebody slapping me during sex. That seems like it would be taken out immediately. Well, it's just, like, rude and not the flavor <laughs> I'm looking for. Well, like, okay. It's like eating an ice cream sundae and finding an olive in the center of it. And like, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know if I would want somebody to slap me during sex. I'm pretty sure the answer is nope. Um, I like a little TLC. But that being said, I dated a guy. I feel like Fifty Shades of Grey did a real disservice to women um, on like, so many levels, like, just being a piss-poor movie and, like, wasting 45 minutes of my time. Well, I... did you ever read the book? No, of course not. I read the book on vacation. It is because I was staying at a place that had, like, a library attached to it of, like, three books, and I was with my parents. I was pretty bored. It is the most horribly written book I've ever read in my life, and, and like, including children's books. It my mother read it and said that it was, like, bad. really sexist and really simple. So neither of those things were really going to align. And also, I don't tend to read easy reading books. Um, not to, like, call most adult readers, like, easy reading level, but, like, most really, really popular books are pretty easy to read. Um, I mean, she was, the author is clearly a simple person. Like, she's well, I mean, just, she's... Or, or a marketing, or kind of, a, I mean, or kind of a marketing genius, but not maybe a literary genius. Um, I, after all, wrote a book about, you know, dick drip and micropenises, so I'm not here to, like, judge any other writer, but I just, and like... killing your dog. I also wrote a book about killing my dog, and I also wrote a book about the apocalypse, so whatever. Um, up next is coming... I'm writing Funeral Party. Have I told you about that book? No, I don't think so. It's my first fiction book. You're gonna like it. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's a dark romantic comedy about a bachelorette party in San Diego. Um, that takes place in a funeral home. And that sounds amazing. I will tell you, having lived in Nashville for six months, I'm fucking sick of bachelorettes. So I will read it. Oh my god, you. the bachelorettes in Nashville are horrible. horrible. Well, you will like this. Well, it's it's um, the main character is based off of me. <laughs> based off of me. Here I am. No, but uh, but it's based on what I planned my bachelorette party to be. Um, and I am not interested really in marriage or bachelorette parties or weddings. So I had like a joke running that if I ever had a bachelorette party, I would host it in a funeral home and I would just go ahead and buy my casket. Uh, and I would lay there in black lingerie and invite like a handful of guys that I fucked to like give me a sexual eulogy by telling funny or gross stories about when we were fucking um, to a bunch that. of my girlfriends. And we would, and it would be uh, by girlfriends. I do mean all my gay guy friends and girlfriends. So it would be like a good crowd. Um, and we would get real wasted. And then if I wanted to bone any of them before I got married, I would do it and do it plenty because it doesn't count if it's somebody you already had sex with, right? I will be there. I'm I'm into that. I That's what wait. I'm saying. Well, I don't I don't know if I'm actually going to be able to pull that off. Number one, I'm not engaged. 
<laughs> Number two, um, even if I were to marry someone, I don't know if they'd be cool with that. Um, I would hope that they would be. but you know. They should be. But I think that I can go, um, when I went on that ride with uh, Angeline, we were talking about my writing and I told her about that. Just as like, we were just talking about getting married. We, we talked about a lot of weird life stuff. For those of you who haven't listened to the entire podcast or don't know my entire history, when my dog died, um, I won a trip with Angeline, the... Um, illustrious Angeline. The illustrious Angeline, um, who is famous for being herself uh, in Los Angeles and also in the world. Um, I got to ride around with her in her pink Corvette. And I was like mourning my dog and like kind of in shock. And it was a really fun experience. And we talked about a lot of weird deep life stuff. So one of the things we talked about was whether or not I'm going to get married. And when we talked about my potential bachelorette party, like I just explained to you, she was like, write about that. Write a movie about that. So I am writing that book next. Uh, I love it. I can't wait. I'm excited for it. It's completely outlined, which I didn't expect to have happen. Uh, I didn't really know how it was going to go. I like knew like the loose theme of it, but I, I really like it. I've like kind of combined a lot of you guys, like my best friends, as characters. Um, there's a few things that I, I have, like, things that I really want to throw in. Like, um, I remember when there was the super bloom here, because we finally got rain, and everybody in California was like, super bloom, super bloom, it's so beautiful, there's poppies everywhere. So I drove to San Diego to see a friend, and because of the super bloom, there were all these beautiful flowers, but hundreds of butterflies were on the highway and like you couldn't drive five feet in front of you without killing like 25 and my whole windshield was just smeared with monarch butterfly i mean it was like <gasps> fucking horrible it was like Massacre. oh 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 god oh oh like it was like one after another after i mean it was so yeah. many butterflies so i want to put that in the movie as like the the group of friends are driving like to this destination in san diego and it's just like <laughs> there's a couple of funny things that have happened I like in california that, yeah. i want to That's keep in there funny. yeah um Okay, so let's talk bad dates. I know that you wanted to share a story called, we call, Vampire Eyes. <laughs> okay, so th this is like, this is quite a long story. Um, and I, I should really write this down at some point because in my old age, I'm going to forget it. And I don't want to forget it because it's Honey, just like too fucking nuts. You're doing it right now. I'm, I'm doing we it We are right recording. Now. For posterity. Hey guys, it's Orion. Just really quick, I am going to tell you two stories today during little intermissions. The story Matthew is telling us is actually pretty long, so to break it up a little bit and give you kind of a breath of fresh air, uh, I will chime in with this noise. So when you hear that, I'm going to tell you a different story. Uh, so that will get us as many bad dating stories as possible for the day. Uh, these stories are two that did not make it into the book rebound because editing, darling. You can't tell all your secrets. Uh, all right, so let's get back to Matt's story for now and I'll chime in with that sound in a little bit. <laughs> okay, so this was when I was probably about 22 and I was going out and drinking a lot, like a lot, a lot, like Word. most nights of the week. Yeah. I mean, I, I was loving it. You were and 22. You were in college. 
I was in college, yeah. I had um, my best friend, Erin, who you've met a million yeah. times. Erin's incredible. And she and I were just like in that really wonderful stage of friendship where we had known each other for about six months. And we were just like so obsessed with each other and soaking it up. And she's just like like a brilliant human being. And it was just like, it was, it was wonderful. So we went to this bar that you know quite well called Grand Central, this like hell on earth pit that was knocked down not too long ago yeah i worked there yeah it was exercise i'm sure um so i went there and a guy gave me his number and i didn't have really any memory of it and so aaron and i hung out and then we went back to her studio space which was not like meant for sleeping but we would sleep there sometimes i'd like on the floor so I woke up on the floor in her studio um, the next morning, and I had this number in my pocket, and I was telling her, I was like, I don't really have any memory of this guy. And she's like, oh, he was, like, really, really cute. You should um, you should call him. And I was like, really? And she, she was like, yeah, like, he, I mean, you were really wasted, and he was really nice about it. And, um, yeah, he was cute. You should call him. So I text him. Um and turns out he lives in York, Pennsylvania, which we were living in Baltimore at the time. York is not super close to Baltimore. It's no, also but not it's super not far. desirable. It's like two and a half hours away. Yeah, yeah. you wouldn't date I mean, somebody out there. You wouldn't go on a date with somebody that far. No. They're geographically at, undesirable. At the same time, I'm not from the area, so I don't think I was quite aware of the geography. Fair. And also, like, I mean, whatever. So... I texted him. He texted back. He said, oh, yeah, we should totally hang out. And I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, I will be at the bar like I typically am. And um, you're welcome to come by. (laughs) Somewhere between the two of us, the timeline got kind of fucked up. And I got to the bar probably around like 7 p.m. Oh, no. And like all my friends worked at the bar. Like you worked at the bar. Sean works at the bar. Aaron may have been working at the bar yeah Yeah, you got drunk i get it yeah you got drunk i got got, like very drunk yeah and that's what happens when you have friends that are bartenders they think they're doing you a favor what they're doing is ruining your life like your real friends will slow your roll and give you like a half shot drink but we know that now because we're mature to be fair his his end of the bargain was not was not completely like free of disaster either because he got like delayed his work shift ran late i don't know some he was working as a waiter or something like that i was wondering if he was working at hot topic i've heard this story before no he was he was working at some like shitty restaurant that like every time there was a birthday he had to get up on a table and sing oh no that makes me love him that makes me like care for him like i hope he's okay and he's not okay i (laughs) Like, he's not okay. So, um, the thing that was his fault was that he went home, he got changed, he got lost on the way to Baltimore. I don't know how you get lost to a place that you were there the night before, but he got lost. And he didn't get there until, like, 10 p.m. And so I'd been drinking since, like, 7, and I was just, oh, like... Oh, you're done. You're blotted. Belligerent. Yeah. And so he shows up for this date like all like he had gone home after work gotten like showered and primped and all that i probably had not done any of those things and i was also like stupidly drunk and so i mean he he was to his credit very nice about it like he took me home 
he didn't do anything creepy. I would, I would say the defining factor and the reason I think of him as nice in this case is it's been probably forever since you've been around me drunk, but I'm not like the nicest drunk person. I tend to be a little bit of a dick. I've actually so, never experienced you drunk. Yes, you have. For sure. Well, then it didn't bother me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I just like all my, all my unkind impulses. I don't start like bar fights, but I tell people I don't like them. Like things like that. So anyways, so he, Good he know. didn't rape me. He didn't kill me. He smiled through whatever I was saying to him. Wish we had audio tape on that. Oh, me too. I don't even like so, you. <laughs> You're he like dropped, he, <laughs> You're weird, and you're from Pennsylvania. What is so, your so, Get up on the table and sing to me, please. Um, oh, so, mean. It's so, my birthday. <laughs> Dance. So I, he drops me off. I go upstairs. I go to sleep. He texts me the next day, like, inexplicably saying, I had a really nice time with you last night. And already I'm just like, that's quite hard for me to believe. I don't think he probably did. I think you think I'm adorable and six foot five, but I don't think you had a nice time. Thank you for addressing that because I was about to say, he's just saying what any guy who wants to fuck you is going to say. I've been on plenty of nightmare dates where I acted like a total bitch, like crazy drunk asshole. And the next day, every guy has been like, it was wonderful meeting you. And I'm like, you're just like hoping that like, since I got too blotto to like put out mm -hmm. last night that I'm going to be cool with the second date and we're going to make it happen because clearly I'm a drunk mess. Well, which is what happened in this circumstance. So he asked me if I wanted to hang out again. And I didn't. But I didn't have, like, a really good way to articulate why I didn't. Because, honestly, I still didn't remember him. I was blacked out again. So I didn't remember him from the first time. I didn't remember him from the second time. And now we're going on a third date. And I honestly could not pick this gentleman out of a lineup. And like, everybody no knows idea. third date is like time to bone. So like you're on a third date. <laughs> so he asks if I want to hang out again. And he like very diplomatically implies that I probably shouldn't drink as much. <laughs> to which I agree. I don't feel like that's like a super unreasonable point for him to make. So <laughs> we we come to the same arrangement, and he's going to meet me at Central. I'm not going to, like, I decide for myself I wasn't going to drink. Um, and we're just going to see what this person looks like is the way that yeah, I Yeah, time to find him. out who's the mystery, who's the blank, like, from Dick Tracy with no face that I've been going on two dates with now. It's, that I'm seeing from like Pennsylvania. The, the empty Facebook silhouette from when you haven't uploaded a profile picture is this, my impression yes, of this guy. Yes, okay. So... Okay, so this took place in the same time period that all the stories from Rebound took place. In fact, I had just been dumped by a character in the book that I call Snowball Paul, the guy that I punched in the face. We talked a little bit about that last week. Anyway, it just so happened that Paul dumped me by standing me up for our date uh, to go see the bodies exhibit. If you know what that is, it's like this thing where they took like cadavers and they like put them in like some like see-through stuff and you can see like actual dead bodies and all the organs and stuff. Um, so in Nashville at the time, the bodies exhibit was taking place in a mall. So Snowball Paul stood me up. I was already there waiting to meet him. 
And instead of going to the bodies exhibit when he stood me up, I went to the adjacent t-shirt making store in the mall and I made a shirt that said his name. I don't want to say his name on the podcast, obviously, because he's kind of a biatch. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he, like, got a bug up his butt about that. But the shirt says, so-and-so is a cunt. Uh, <laughs> I was really mad. Like, last-minute cancellations are so rude. And he and I had talked about the fact that I punched him in the face and, like, I thought we got past it. Like, I thought we were going to work things out. I mean, whatever. I should have known better than to try and work things out with someone who has a micro dick anyway. But whatever. That's besides the point. So that night when I got home from the mall, I decided to put on my new t-shirt and go out. And at the time, like nightclub photography was very trendy. There were a couple of websites, specifically one I think was called Gone City in Nashville. And I figured I would go out and like, make out with some guys and like take some shots and get some pictures taken with this guy's name and the statement that he's a cunt on my t-shirt and try to get it in a few like websites, local papers, whatever, just as kind of an F you because this guy sucks. So I went to Broadway Brew House and there was this like really hot drunk guy there and I started talking to him. His name is Devin. That's his real name. Shout out if you're out there, Devin, he and I are still friends. Uh, and, you know, we decide that we should go out drinking together. So we leave Broadway Brew House, and little did I know that he had just thrown up, like, on the floor of Broadway Brew House. Like, that's how drunk he was. Also, I knew the girls that worked at Broadway Brew House because I used to work there. That's in the book, too. Um, and they were all kind of, like, making fun of me for leaving with, like, the guy who just puked on the floor. Like, Jesus Christ. So we went to Red Door East, where my favorite bartender was working, and... Like, the rest of it, I don't remember. I remember we were getting along, and then I remember nothing. So the next day I wake up, and, like, I'm home by myself in my bed. Like, got home okay. Didn't sleep with the guy. Uh, at least, I mean, not to my knowledge. And um, I look at my phone, and I have all these text messages from, like, a friend who was at the bar, and then the bartender, Nico, had texted me like, oh my god, are you okay? I thought you were going to rip that guy's face off. I've never seen you so pissed. Da, da 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 And then I have a text message from a number I don't know that says, hey, I don't know what happened last night. Do you want to get dinner? I'm assuming that's Devin, and I'm correct, it is. So I called Devin, and I'm like, I don't know what happened last night. And he's like, I don't know what happened either, but my friends told me that you were like screaming at me and that I was screaming at you and that we got into a really big fight. Um, and I said, oh, well, I don't remember that at all. And he said, well, neither do I. Do you want to, do you want to go to PF Chang's for dinner? And I'm a sucker for PF Chang's. So I said, hell yes. Um, anyway, uh, Devin and I dated for quite some time after that and are still friends to this day. So not all rage blackouts are bad. Okay, let's get back to Matt's story. Shit goes kind of sideways again, even before he gets here, because for a second time, he gets lost. Okay, so he's stupid. Well, yeah, we're going to find out, yes. So, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm sorry, yeah. but Pennsylvania and Maryland touch. And, like, from York to Baltimore is, like, a straight line. And you've been there for the twice this week. 
And it's not your... Okay, he's stupid. Okay, he's that's stupid. fine. That's fine. Yeah. That's okay. It's okay. Anyways. I love I love stupid people. They buy things. We gotta keep the economy running, honey. Topsy tails. Who, would, who wouldn't just turn their ponytail inside out? You gotta buy a topsy tail? Good. Economy. <laughs> Go ahead, honey. Walmart. So, Go ahead. He gets there around like 10. What I said just made no sense. I can't do that. <laughs> I haven't drank at all. He decides he's gonna drink a fair amount. And so we proceed to have, like, the most fucking unpleasant, weird, awkward, not disconnected date I've ever had in my life. To this day, probably have not been on a worse date. And I'm feeling, like, real obligated to see it through to the end because this is the third one. And I was so annoying the first two. And he also drove all the way and got lost twice. And I have a terrible sense of direction. I don't like being lost. So I'm feeling sympathetic for him. This is something we have to stop doing. I'm going to interrupt you just real quick. Sympathizing with anybody for any reason. (laughs) (laughs) Um, On dates. No. No. Okay. You guys don't ever make excuses. If somebody sucks on a date, you should just be like, oh my God, I cut my foot. My grandmother's on fire. I really got to go. No, like in Romeo and Michelle's. Oh no, I cut my foot. My shoe's filling up with blood. I have to go. Yeah. I love music. You love, you know this about me. I love yes. pop music. You're I guess musician. at some point I dropped this piece of information to him. So he takes me through all his favorite songs in his car, which includes like the cores, which I don't know a lot about, but they're like, Oh, when the stars go blue. Like. He loves, loves That's a really good version of that song. I'm just saying <laughs> that's the so only loves- chorus song that anybody knows. He knows them all. He had all their albums. He's telling me all the fuck about them. He, is I was he Irish. I no, aren't no. they Irish? He, uh, they are. I think I don't. I don't know what his nationality okay, is well. like. Um, he. What else? Oh, I, I was in art school at the time, and so I, I dropped that piece of information. He also fancied himself a studio artist, and so he brought a portfolio of artwork to show me, which was fucking horrendous. Like drawings of cactuses no joke like actual cactuses he asked me if if i think that he he could do this professionally and i was like really diplomatically trying to be like well a lot of people i go to school with know that studio art can be really difficult to make a living at just like showing in galleries and so they'll usually have some kind of like way of monetizing it like fashion photography or illustration or something like that so like have you thought about maybe like a backup plan? And he was like, well, like, I really like singing. I was thinking maybe I could be like a singer. And I was like, okay, like what kind of music? And he was like, oh, I don't know. Like, what do you think my voice would be good for? Like rock or like maybe country or like Please pop. tell me and he sang for you. And obviously you need to do like not. country pop if you're a huge chorus fan. Come on. Well, and I was just like, did you... It's hard enough making it as a studio artist, but as a recording artist, I would say is maybe even more challenging. <laughs> you really pick well, up back a plan that's like less likely to succeed than your primary plan. Like you're horrible. I have a question. Yes. Was this person seventeen? Like no, straight up and down. A, no, he was a little bit older than me. I think he was like twenty-five at the time. Really. Or do you mm. think he was maybe lying? I'm not calling you like a molester or anything, but I'm saying, do you think maybe he was a little younger than we thought? Like he got lost in his car. 
he has to sing on tables at his restaurant job. He likes the cores. Not the cars, you guys. The cores. Like, when the stars go... E-O-R-S. Or maybe C-O-R-R-R-S. Yeah. Um, and then he's, like, telling you that not only does he want to be a studio artist, but he also wants to be a singer. What do you think? But he has never, like, sang or, like, he, like, paints... Well, I, he sounds really young to me. Or maybe... I, I don't think he was especially young. I think that maybe he was, he was just an idiot. Stupid. Yeah, yeah, like stupid. Aww, so bless him. Bless his dumb little heart. So, I love um, stupid people. So, yeah. When I mean, they're not like, ignorant. Stupid people so are cute. It, it was like a fucking horrendous date. Um, and he's annoying. Like, he's just, he also, he complained the entire time about, like, his bad relationship with his stepmom and shit like that. Like stuff that like, you're you're like the meanest date. You're right. Because like this guy's like telling you his dreams. He's telling you about his family and you're like, he's stupid and he's annoying. He's telling me that he wants to be a singer or an artist. Then he's complaining about his stepdad and his mom. I'm like, Oh my God, the drama. Like, (laughs) no, it's just like, no, I mean, you're not wrong, but I, but I feel like first date, and he should be considering this a first date. Well, that's because... what I'm saying. He didn't consider this a first date. Yeah, I... This is like, he's getting into it with you. He's trying to, like, show himself to you. And, like, he didn't. But, yeah. But, like, we said, the, he's the stupid. Way, the so way that know. it came off to me was he was packing three dates worth of information into one date. Well, yeah, because you were so drunk. Because I was so drunk. And it was just like, <laughs> like, it was like a tsunami of overshares. But not, like, fascinating, juicy overshares. But just, like... The whiny overshares that even your diary isn't interested in. Like, I don't, like, your stepmom isn't a terrorist. She's not, like, interestingly annoying. She's just, like, you're complaining about her and we're on a date. And okay, so what I'm hearing, loud and clear, it isn't a match. <laughs> it's not no, a match. it's not a match. But what I want to know is how he got the name Vampire Eyes. Okay, so this is the thing. It's, like, we're only halfway there. I mean, I'm going to try to be a little bit less verbose. Oh my God, this is a story about the first guy I had sex with when I moved to Nashville. So I moved to Nashville from Chicago and to be totally honest, Chicago was the worst two years of my life. I had just unfortunate event after unfortunate event and um, granted a lot of it was my own doing. You know, usually you're, if everything around you is going wrong, you should just take a look at yourself and kind of figure out what you're doing to contribute to that. But, you know, I was in my early twenties. I was not that introspective at the time. Uh, anyway, I kind of used sex and dating, obviously, like a lot of us do, as like self-harm in my Chicago days. So I, I slept with people more frequently than I'd like to and not really like, yeah, I don't know. I was kind of a hoe. So when I got to Nashville, I was like, new town, new me. I'm going to like turn over a new leaf. I'm not going to fuck all these guys. Um, I'm going to be like for all intents and purposes, like a quote unquote good girl. Well, I started seeing this guy. I don't remember his name, but we'll call him Big Jim. (laughs) Big Jim was, first of all, we met on MySpace. So shout out to the MySpace days. I miss you. I love you. Justin Timberlake, you ruined it. Where's my MySpace page? Why did it get deleted? Uh, But we met on MySpace, which was like very 
it was kind of like pre-internet dating. And we went on a lot of dates. Uh, I wouldn't sleep with him right away. I was like really trying to hold out. So I went on like a total of like eight dates with this guy. And on the seventh or eighth date, like he said some things that were pretty unhinged. But I was like so used to dating like dumpster fires that like it didn't even seem like that much of a red flag to me. But he kept talking about he was a student at Vanderbilt University. He was a grad student there and he kept talking about his graduate work and like how he wanted to help people and save people. He was getting his graduate degree in like history or something. He was really good at like synthesizing knowledge, but he wasn't really like innovative. So I didn't really see him in line with being like the savior of all people like he kind of described. But um but one night he had this conversation with me where he was like you know, my biggest fear is that, and my parents' biggest fear for me is that I'll fall in love and I won't be able to save the world. So he definitely had some weird Jesus complex thing happening, but whatever. Um, we had been on like eight dates and it was time to have some sex. I mean, eight dates, Jesus Christ. So I went to have sex with this guy. Uh, we went to like trivia night, oddly in Nashville. Well, at least at this bar that I went to, it was like, near Vanderbilt University, the trivia was so hard. And it, all his friends are like grad students at Vanderbilt. So it was like a nerd squad. And um, it was embarrassing. Like the only question I could even get close to getting right was like about Gossip Girl. And I had to like, it was still kind of a hard question, even though it was about Gossip Girl. Um, if you suck at trivia, move to Southern California, because here it's really easy. Like, I don't know why it was so hard in Tennessee. Um, anyway, so we left trivia night and I went back to his place and like, I mean, okay, not everybody who is like six foot five has a monster dick, but of course, because I hadn't had sex in forever and I was like basically re-virginizing myself, Big Jim had a monster dick. I mean, shit, I'm not, I'm talking like double stacked Red Bull cans, honey, my fucking ears popped. Um... Anyway, uh, we tried to have sex. It didn't work. It was not going to happen. Uh, I tried again the next morning. Again, like a little bit more of a success rate, but like sometimes things just don't fit. You know, it's just not going to happen. And um, yeah, so we stopped seeing each other uh, because his dick was too big. Also, I'm pretty sure he went nuts because shortly after our tryst, or lack thereof, um, his MySpace page got really nuts. And I actually think there was some mental illness there with the whole, like, I'm going to save the world thing. So probably dodged a bullet with Big Jim. Anyway, let's get back to Matt's story and find out finally why we call this guy Vampire Eyes. So he, he gets really drunk. And one thing I really is like, whatever is scandalous and anarchist and dumb and empty headed as I can be throughout all parts of my life, I really don't like drunk driving. I, I really have issues with drunk driving. I don't think it's cool at all. Don't do it. And, and if somebody is going to drunk drive, I will absolutely volunteer my couch, which you and I both know I don't like people staying with me, but I would much rather have a house guest than have somebody like kill a family on the way home yeah no shit so he's too wasted to go home safely so i i say he can come back to my house 
I'm like thoroughly turned off by this human being, but he he wasn't like he didn't scream danger to me or anything like no, that. No, sometimes so. you have to you have to take care of someone because they're a mess, and like you don't want it on your conscience. Like that was in the last podcast. I was like, well, this guy clearly has to come home with me because he's such a sloppy piece of shit. But then I was exactly. like, no, you're too sloppy. He like barfed on my floor, and I was like, get out, just die. I don't <laughs> care. So he comes home with me because I am a gay guy. And I'm used to gay guy interactions in the evening. I do allow him to sleep in my bed, but nothing happened. Um, I did That's learn. generous. I did learn some interesting things about him, though. He wore a hat the entire time we were on the date. And then I thought back and it was like, I vaguely remember that blank face wearing a hat the first two times that we hung out. Oh, Turns bald. out he has no hair, like none. Like Oh, like alopecia? Well, he had eyebrows, so he definitely shaved at least parts of his head, and not only that, but like, like I said, nothing happened, but he got like halfway undressed for bed, he wasn't going to sleep in his jeans, he shaved the rest of himself too, so he had these like prickly legs and prickly arms and a prickly chest. Can I talk to you about that for a second? Can we just take an intermission? I hate it. I hate it when a hairy guy shaves his chest and oh my god when a girl or a guy shaves their arms i'm like what are you fucking doing that shit is like it's ridiculous it's like the thinnest hair like even if you have like monkey's paw fur on your arms it's arm hair you're supposed to have arm hair like but like the the only thing worse than like and and i actually don't have a problem with a guy with a hairy chest like that does not bother me um sometimes like an excess of hair like could be like gross but I've never encountered that um but the only thing like that's horrible is like after you have sex with somebody and you're all sweaty and like flushed because you had like good sex with them you go to lay your head on their chest like you would imagine you would hope that I would lay my head on your chest like what kind of man are you if I like you didn't make me come and I didn't lay my head on your chest and when I do I get like stabbed in the cheek with prickly fucking shaving hair mm -hmm. Ew! I, I mean, I don't... The arm... Shaving the arms, I totally agree with. That's fucking weird. Um, yeah, it's weird. I, <laughs> like, I, my face. I, I generally don't have, like, a preference on body hair as long as it's not out of control either way. Like, zero hair is very strange to me. Like, woolly mammoth is very strange to me. Just, like, work with, like, what you have and just keep it under control. But, like, I, I, I'm not opposed either way. Okay, well, I'm I'm vehemently opposed to men who shave their chest and want me to touch them you're literally you're you're a you're a, a you're a surfboard of razor burn and acne for me like you are just like something you're a plank of bacterial scratches and i am not interested so if you like think that like shaving your chest makes you hot it probably does to someone who's got no face. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. So please continue on with vampires. So this, this gentleman is not up your alley because he was prickly fucking everywhere on his body that I could see, which was like everywhere but the underwear line. So oh, he, he leaves so uncomfortable. The next, he leaves the next day, and I'm just like thoroughly over the whole situation so I start receiving a lot of text messages from this asshole. 
at which point I decided that I just need to like cut this off. So what 35 year old me would do would just be like, you know what, sir, it's not a match. I think you're wonderful, but you're just not for me. Love you. Bye. What 22 year old me did was I thought to myself, what is the most unattractive shit that guys can do on a date? And then I will do that and it will repel him. And the thing that I don't like to see on dates when I don't know somebody well is I don't like to be complained to. Don't tell me about your stepmom. Don't tell me about your standing on the chair job. I just like, and we don't know each other like that. Make it fun. I want to put a pin in this and tell you, I think the most inappropriate thing to do on a date is if you're trying to get rid of somebody, but I don't know what it is. Continue. I'm going to think about it. Okay. Think about it. We're going to circle back. So I decided I'm going to complain a lot to this guy problem is as a generically attractive white guy i don't have a lot of deep-seated complaints so i'm gonna have to make up some problems (laughs) (laughs) i so and like so i really start grasping at straws and i start being like my this and this this is something i feel very bad about to this day very, very bad. These are about. my favorite confessions. I love it when somebody's like, I still feel bad today. I still I feel really bad about this to this day because when I came out to my parents, they were so incredibly accepting and receptive. They're the most liberal people under the sun. They had lots of gay friends. They, they still already do, knew you were right? gay anyway. They they didn't actually, which was weird. That's but interesting. they never any kind of criticism in any way, shape, or form. But the thing I made up was that they didn't accept me. And that I was like, had this contentious relationship with them, which is the thing I feel bad about. Not, not for telling him, but just for putting that out under the universe. When that was <laughs> but that's funny. It felt, and it still feels like a class A lie. Like the kind of thing that if there's a pearly gates moment later in life, will revisit me and I will be like, no, I'm right there with you. Send me down to hell. That was not a nice thing. To okay. Do. Well, I think you can relax about that because like the pearly gates have been like, relaxed like <laughs> trust me they're not gonna show me the pearly gates they're just gonna they're just gonna they're gonna you're, no you're in you're in you don't even have to worry about a gate you're in the you're in the vip lounge you're fine so you're fine so i i make up this thing that my parents don't accept me and and but and I, I don't make it dramatic like they kick me out or anything like that it's just like i make it like whiny and I just like, I have these problems with my parents and like, I'm frustrated at school and all these things, stuff that I would not like hearing about as the other half of this date. And it backfires massively. Yeah, it would totally backfire. Like he's like needy and like showing up after yes. you acted like an asshole on the first yes. two dates. He's yes. here for a mess. So you just gave him more mess. He's obviously yes. a problem solver and like clearly is like one of those people that's like a walking therapist so like he's about it yeah. and he's like oh my god yes some, yeah yes so i could have i could have told you that honey well i wish you would have because i was really i don't think stuck. i knew you yet we were both too drunk in baltimore <laughs> um he thought i would just be like the cutest fixer-upper ever and decide that like he would be the thing that solved all my problems and then he would be my rock and then i would be reliant on him forever which is not why I call him vampire eyes, but is like quite vampiric of him. So he starts like trying to talk me through all these problems, which gets really sticky because they don't exist. And so there's no solutions for these problems because they don't exist. And so I start having to go like even further down the chain being like, I think I'm really into some like strange violent sex stuff. Like I'm really... (laughs) 
sense, like which is also not true as we covered this already. This is much better. Like, this is much better. Like, Keep going. I'm what like, else did you tell him about the violent sex stuff? I'm like a real boring fuck, and he's just like, and I'm just like, I honestly I don't remember the details of it, but I was listening to a lot of angry music at the time, and I just stole a lot of imagery from Marilyn Manson music videos. So I have to start going really far down this uncomfortable road that is absolutely not true. And I'm not a good liar. I'm not a good faker. I'm not a good actor. And so I'm like, and we're doing all this through like the, the weird text message where you like, you click number one and it chooses A, B, or C. Like, it's just, it's like a really uncomfortable circumstance. And so like, he's still here for it. He's like, that's all right. I'm open to stuff. We'll experiment. And I'm just like, well, he's not taking you know no for an answer. You're like, he, oh, I'm a freak. I like to fuck corpses. I like to fuck the brain in my fridge. And he's like, that's cool. Like, we can experiment. Cool. I'll get you a brain, baby. So I eventually do the thing that I should have done immediately, which was just like, you know what? I'm just not really looking for a relationship right now. And you seem very, very nice, but I just, I am not in the headspace to give to another human being the way that I would need to, to be a functional part of a relationship. Okay. And I want, I want from an outside perspective, I want you to understand that after you were drunk twice and then he showed up and <laughs> you were not into it. And I, I'm presuming the second time that you were drunk, like you were mean to him a little bit and he dropped you off, whatever. Sure, then, then you guys go on a date and then you start unloading all this crazy shit on him. Like, <laughs> you seem like the biggest asshole ever, ever. And I want you to know that, like, I am the biggest asshole. Like, if, if, <laughs> if we go on a date and I don't like it, like, I'm so rude. But you are killing it like you're killing it you're so fucking rude <laughs> please continue yes. let's talk more shit about this guy on the internet yes he starts to sort of like try to talk me out of it at which point i just like cut off communication i just like i said what i needed to say i don't want to know you anymore just like goodbye this was probably in june and i blissfully don't hear from him until october and so one day, like you do, I get a text message from him like, hey, how's it going? I was like, should not have answered, but I was like, fine, how are you? And he was like, I'm good, blah, blah, blah. Are you still single? And I told him specifically because I couldn't think of a nicer way to say it. I said, yes, but not for you. So... <laughs> rude it was rude it was rude so he was very nice about it he's like that's cool that's cool i totally get it but maybe maybe we could be friends oh this guy's like desperate you're like so he's like desperate he's from york he's from york pennsylvania ain't nobody in york honey i've been i don't know how to tell somebody i don't know how to tell somebody after i've said i'm single but not for you i don't know how to say to them i'm sorry i I need to interrupt you you. this is important because we haven't addressed this what does he look like? Because you have not told us anything about his appearance. I did tell you about his appearance. He has no hair. Right. You told me he has no hair, but I don't know if he's like brown, black, white. Uh, he's like, 
I don't know if he's like, got muscles, if he's fat, no, if he, he has doesn't. titties, he, he's like a soggy if he's got dude. like fucking big hands or little tiny hands or like big feet. <laughs> I don't know anything about him. He's, he's like he's like a soggy white dude that has no hair anywhere on his body that I'm aware of. I'm sorry, that sounds mean, but he's he's just like a very forgettable individual. He's the kind of person that would do really well as a serial killer because people would probably have no idea that he was doing shit right in front of them because they just like escaped attention. So he asked if we if I wanted to hang out again as friends, which left me in kind of a tricky circumstance because I certainly did not want to, but he knows where I hang out. Like, it, I can't really easily avoid this person if he wants to find me. So I told him essentially that. I said, well, I will be at Central tonight. If you were also at Central tonight, maybe we could hang out. I don't know what else to tell him. So he's like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. I don't worry. I know how to get there this time, so I won't be late. At this time, I don't care. Oh, he figured out how to get there. He figured it out. Yeah, I'm sure he did some practice runs. So I get there. And he gets there. And he's like drastically different looking. Much different looking. But like, how, like, do you remember what he looked like before? Well, the two components that are most shocking about his appearance are he has about like chin length blonde hair no hat chin length blonde hair so for sure a wig like 100 percent a wig he's wearing a chin length bob okay. blonde blonde bob okay and he has fucking electric blue eyes like hot topic like Robin's egg blue eyes. <laughs> so we're chatting and we're catching up to the extent that I want to catch up with him, which is very little. And we're just like making awkward half small talk. I don't really want to talk to him anymore, but I'm feeling awkward because he drove all the way from York again. And so like we walk around the bar a little bit. I introduced him to Aaron, who he had met already. She had no fucking idea who he was because <laughs> he looks so dissimilar Later, when he went to the bathroom, she was like, who the fuck is that insane-looking person? <laughs> and so he gets back, and we're just sitting there, and eventually I just, like, I just have to ask him, like, dude, I have to ask, like, what is up with the eyes? I didn't, I didn't even ask about the hair, because I felt like he, had, he was probably balding in some way, and that felt mean to direct attention towards it, but I had to ask about the eyes, and, like, what is with the eyes? And he gets this really, really hurt look on his face. And he's like, well, <laughs> I know that, like, you mentioned to me that you were into some, like, some, like, really weird sex stuff. And I know that you listen to a lot of Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie. And so, like, I thought you would like them. I wore them for you. Yeah, so, I mean, so, and that's why we call him Vampire Eyes. Because, like, he had fucking Marilyn Manson and Robin's Dead Blue Vampire Eyes. He texted me later. He was like, I'm still really attracted to you. Would you ever consider? And I was like, nope. Goodbye. Up until a few years ago, I used to hear from him periodically. He would text me. Oh, why is he still texting you? He texts me to update me on his life, which includes, like, a partner now. And he, he's like, 
he like sends me pictures of like what's going on in his life almost like a tease like you could have been with all this and it's like still living in fucking york pennsylvania with his partner good for his partner he always ends with his collection of fucking birds though he always sends me pictures of his like parrots and his cockatiels and i'm just like i love birds i know you love birds but i don't want a bird anywhere in my life and i'm just like dude you're not like selling this as like a what could have been scenario you're just reaffirming my decision making so basically it's like i met this guy i was drunk he had vampire eyes (laughs) (laughs) he liked me a lot so he dressed up like marilyn manson and misjudged everything Oh, bless his heart is what we say in the South. By the way, you live in the South. How do you feel I about do. that? Um, I feel generally decent about it. I like I like certain aspects of it a lot. Certain aspects are not California. On the whole, I'm enjoying it. Good, good. Okay, baby, I think we got everything we need. Okay. <laughs> All right, I set you free to have dinner. All right. I love you. I love you very much. It's always so much fun to chat about our perspective on mankind. All the weirdos. I hate the weirdos. The older I get, the less tolerant I am for weird shit. Just be nice, well-adjusted, weird in your own time. I love my friends for who they are, but if I don't know you, don't be weird. I don't don't have any patience for it. I'm going to close with a quote. We are the weirdos, mister. (laughs) <laughs> um, what a good movie. I love that movie. Alright, I love you. I'll talk like to you later. Giant fucking mouth. Alright, I love you. Oh too. my god, our giant fucking mouth is gorgeous. It like unhooks. It's horrifying and wonderful. Alright, I love you. Have a good rest of your night. Good night, honey. And bye. special guest uh next week is gonna be really fun again um i have a friend coming out i don't know if she wants to use her real name or not but she is a bartender in nashville and she has some stories to tell honey also i think she's actually gonna be here with me in california so we're gonna have like a full-on girls night and there should be some good clips from that too so get excited next week is gonna be awesome thank you to matthew for coming on the show he did so great uh he was on last season too he always does really well and um shout out to uh vampire eyes if you're out there babe i hope things are going well for you okay (laughs) bye everybody